Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Welcome into the program. Good to be back with Zach for a new episode here of the Packers Wire podcast. To all the listeners, make sure you catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button. Man, Zach, last Thursday, what a win for the Packers over the Cardinals. The Packers were in the news for all the right reasons, right? Everyone's singing Rodgers' praises. The Packers are shooting up all those power ranking boards to number one in a lot of lists, and all's good in the world. And exactly one week later, we're here, we're jumping on here to talk about stuff that we don't want to talk about, right? Like Rodgers, COVID-19, is he being forthcoming about all this? I mean, this is a, this is a wild situation going on with your Packers right now. Yeah, it's kind of par for the course for this team, at least over over the last year or so. You know, they, they keep winning, but man, it's just been one dramatic thing after another. Yeah, this isn't a boring team. We've had the the Aaron Rodgers saga all summer. You know, they've they've had so many injuries this year, but they've won. You know, they had the week one blowout that, you know, everybody was in in uproar about. And then, you know, you know they've had all these COVID issues. So yeah, it's uh, they they know how to keep the drama high in Green Bay, I guess. Yeah, it's good for Packers wire, right? You'll take you'll take all the uh, the content. (laughs) So so I want to come at this Aaron Rodgers story here at the top to you know just maybe in two different come at it in two different ways, right? You're the cool thing about Packers wire and what you do for them is that you can be both a reporter that covers the team, but you're, you're also a Packers fan, right? So you could come at it from both sides and the commentary that I'm seeing all over the place. We're recording here on Thursday and the commentary I'm seeing on Twitter and on social is that Rogers is a liar, right? Rogers was not forthcoming about being vaccinated. And of course he was asked if he was vaccinated and he said, yes, I'm immunized. So as a reporter's act, do you feel like, you were lied to by Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's start there. Yeah, lie is such a it's a it's a sharp word, but you know he was asked very directly by the reporter, "Are you vaccinated?" And he said, "Yeah, I've been immunized." And he right. he let it off with "Yeah." And you know, you you listen to the rest of that press conference. He was asked a couple more things about vaccinations, and he really did make it seem like he was vaccinated and he was talking about um, unvaccinated. Um, teammates in a different way. So I definitely get how, you know, people can look at this situation and call him a liar. Um, It's tough because, you know, clearly the NFL and the Packers and, you know, his teammates, it's pretty clear to me that they all knew that he wasn't vaccinated or at least had this, you know, weird situation where he was trying to claim he was vaccinated. So I, I think maybe he was only lying or, you know, at the very least misleading um, reporters there. So I don't know. It, it's tough. I, it's tough to call him a liar on this without actually ha- having heard, you know, more from him on this situation. But yeah, it's tough. If you just look at those words, you know, he, he really did kind of lie about it. Yeah. And I hesitate, Zach, to call to use the word liar because with Rogers and his wife 
and you know these homeopathic things that they're into these treatments like I, I don't know I really feel like even though he probably knew that he wasn't vaccinated to what the NFL thought with like Pfizer Moderna or like Johnson and Johnson he probably thought that I think his wife makes like I think she makes like toothpaste out of clay that you can eat because clay is good to put in your body. Like there's something going on with those two, Aaron and his wife, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and I really feel like he was probably didn't think he was lying. He knew there was something there with the NFL, but when he was talking about being, I think he actually thinks he's vaccinated. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I think too. I think when he was asked that question on August 26th, he truly believed that, you know, these alternate methods were, you know, equal to to the other vaccinations that the NFL wanted him to get. And you know, you see the petition that got um, turned down. I, I think that's a pretty clear sign that, you know, he believed that what he was doing um, other than these vaccinations were, were equal to the to the to vaccination status. So, um, yeah, that, that's the other side of it where it's, it's tough to call him a liar, like you said, because I do think he actually believed it. Yeah. So he's not a liar, but he obviously with the petition to the league in the summer, he knew that he wasn't vaccinated by NFL rules. So. That's the part where I think Packers fans can be a little annoyed here and, and should be, should be pissed. I would be uh, because you're the best quarterback in the league. You're the MVP last year. You're probably still the MVP right now, Zach, right? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Thursday in Arizona, how is Rodgers not the MVP right after that? Yeah. I mean, you're the MVP and you know that if you get the virus and you're considered unvaccinated by the NFL, that you're out for 10 days and all the rule, the deck is stacked against you, right? So. Yeah. And never mind the fact that they're investigating his mask use and all this crap. So yeah. it's like he put himself in that position because he knew the deck was stacked against him. And that's the part for me. I mean, you need you're the best quarterback in the league and you put yourself at risk for not being available. And oh, by the way, here we are in the middle of the season. The Packers might be the best team in football right now. And Aaron Rodgers is not available this week at Kansas City and maybe next week. Right. We don't know. And maybe he could yep. be suspended. So I think that's where maybe he I'm not going to call him a liar, but I, I, sh, I think Packers fan and, and I personally I'm pissed about that part that he's unavailable to the team because of this. That That's where we should be upset. Yeah. And I think, you know, a, a bunch of us have been really hard on a couple of unvaccinated players like Kirk Cousins. He's taking a lot of heat. Um, Cam Newton. He took a lot of heat. So yes, Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. So Rogers deserves the same heat here because this whole thing, it puts his team at a distinct competitive disadvantage. There's no way around that. Like regardless of your views on vaccination, whether you should be or not, not being vaccinated puts your, your team at a, a pretty big competitive disadvantage. And we're seeing it happen right now where, you know, he made this decision, he put himself at risk and now he's going to miss 10 days. He can miss two games out of a 17 game season. That's a pretty big deal for, for any player, especially a superstar like him. So, yeah, I think the the competitive disadvantage part of it is the the really disappointing part of it as a as a Packers fan. Okay, so we're we're pissed about we're in agreement there. We're pissed about that. But if you want to look at it like a silver lining, here's a silver lining I'm going to throw at you, Zach. Jordan Love, right? He's going to get an opportunity here, a huge opportunity. We're going to get yeah. to see Jordan Love, the potential replacement for Aaron Rodgers as early as next season, right? We're going to get to see him thrown into Arrowhead Stadium in a hostile environment. With a Chiefs team that's like trying to find, like stumbling around, like really needs a, a you know a, a pick me up kind of like signature win right now, and the Chiefs almost lost to the Giants at home on Monday night, right? So we're gonna get to see Jordan Love thrown in that situation, go up against Patrick Mahomes, and get Devontae Adams back and some of these weapons back, and try to lead the Packers to win. And the Packers and the fans, we're all gonna get to watch Jordan Love and get our first real view of him. 
So yep. that's the silver lining to me. It's like, what an opportunity for Jordan Love and for all of us to watch the kid play. And then if it doesn't work out and they lose, okay, you lost a game out of conference to the Chiefs and you're still one of the best teams in the NFC. So life is going to go on, right? It's not like you're playing Dallas or something right now. You're playing the right, Chiefs. Right. So I, I think yeah. the silver lining is, man, what an opportunity for Jordan Love. And I can't wait to see how the kid does. Yeah, this is definitely a, a huge moment for Jordan Love. Um, you're probably not going to remember this, but Packer fans are definitely going to remember it. It was a primetime game in Dallas, 2007. Um, Brett Favre hurts his elbow or something. You know, the Cowboys were up big. You know, in comes Aaron Rodgers, who hadn't really played at all in three years. And, you know, he almost led the Packers back against that really good Cowboys team, threw a couple touchdown passes. Um, I, I think he proved to a lot of people uh, within the Packers building that, you know, he could be the real future at quarterback. And then the, the very next offseason, they stood by him as, you know, far retired and then unretired. So I don't know if this is exactly synonymous to that, but this is definitely Love's moment now where I think, you know, I, I look at it now and I think that the Packers are probably leaning towards going with Love next year. I think, you know, Rodgers and, and the team are maybe patching things up a little bit, but, man, you, you get a strong performance or two out of Love in place of Rodgers in these two situations, like you said, going into Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes, um, the defending AFC championship uh, champions, that's a great opportunity. And it's a great evaluation opportunity for the Packers. You know, they're, like you said, they're going to get back Devontae Adams. They're going to be kind of have a full deck on offense, to be honest. Uh, they should have Marquez Valdez-Scanling, Alan Lazard's back. Um, David Bakhtiari could be back at left tackle. So he's going to be playing with a lot of starters. We haven't seen him really besides three or two two preseason games where he only threw, I think, like 30 passes. So, yeah, I think, you know, Packers, Packers fans, the front office, we're going to learn a lot about this uh, young and talented quarterback in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we can watch all the preseason film we want, but this is like Arrowhead <laughs> yeah. Stadium, Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is going to be great, man. This is going to be – I mean, let's see what the kid has. And, yeah, yep. I saw you, you, tw- you were tweeting about, you know, Rodgers had a quote out there saying that, you know, he's been – pleased with the communication with him and the GM and things seem to be, you know, not as definitely not as fierce as it was in the off season, right. When he was away from the team. And I don't know. So if the team is having any problems, like maybe if the team's going back and forth, like, do we want to commit to Aaron any longer? Do we want to just give the reins to Jordan love? Like you think a game like this could sway the decision. You think this is a big enough, that big a moment that if love goes out there and plays really well and maybe the Packers don't win, but he, he shows something like, is that enough to sway them to make the move? Yeah, and, and to touch on your the part about them mending with the Packers, I think right now they are kind of playing nice and they're winning a lot, so that, that helps things. Yeah, it's, sure. Right. It's, it's much easier to be happy in a relationship when everything is going so well. But yeah, like I said, I go back to that 2007 game because I think there was some, there was some doubts about Rodgers at that point in his career in 2007 about you know his long-term viability as a starter, and then he went out in a huge spot. He played really, really, really well. And I think that turned a lot of people around and, you know, got a bunch of people in his corner in that building. So yeah, I I think love can do exactly the same thing here because, you know, they didn't draft him to come be a backup for two games in a, in a situation like this, like they drafted him because they think he could be the, the starter as soon as next year. So yeah, I think this is a big spot where he can, he can prove to a lot of people that he could be the future, uh, of the Packers starting in 2022. Yeah, you forget the Packers moved up in the first round for him. It was a few years ago now, but but the yeah. Bears fans, I mean, they moved up for Justin Fields, and they they wanted like 
they want to arrest Bad Nagy for trying to sit him, you know, for a couple <laughs> games this season, right? So, yeah, this is this is where we're at. So, yeah, more thoughts on Jordan Love and the Packers going up against the Chiefs in a little bit. Uh, but I got to get Zach's take on this win over the Cardinals because, you know, a week ago, the, the storylines around the Packers were completely different and very positive, and what a win this was. We'll do that coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 9 of the fantasy football season. We're back to four teams on a bye, so we might have to dig a little deeper than usual. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa versus the Houston Texans. Houston is tied for the fifth most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks in 2021. Six passers have gone for at least 21.7 fantasy points, including Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. Not exactly world beaters. Tua can play loose knowing he doesn't have to worry about the Deshaun Watson trade looming over. Wide receiver Devontae Parker came back and looked pretty good, and with a limited pass rush, there's also another thing he doesn't have to worry about. He makes for a sound bye week or injury fill-in. New York Giants running back Devontae Booker versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Presuming Saquon Barkley doesn't return as he's still dealing with an ankle injury and also landed on the COVID list this week, Booker will face his former employer in Week 9. The Raiders return from their bye week with a defense that has given up the 6th most rushing yards per game in the last 5 weeks, and 3 times in those 4 previous games, a running back went into the end zone with the ball in his hands. Toss in a pair of receiving scores, and we're looking at a slightly better than favorable matchup scenario for the versatile Booker. The six-year veteran has produced double-digit PPR points in four straight contests. Lock him in as long as Barkley is out. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry, Cleveland Browns at Cincinnati Bengals. Head coach Kevin Stefanski said Odell Beckham Jr. ostensibly has been kicked off the team, which makes Landry the de facto number one receiver. In a way, he kind of was already he and quarterback Baker Mayfield always had better chemistry than Mayfield did with OBJ. Since week three, wide receivers have recorded the fifth most receptions for the ninth most yards per game against the Bengals. Over the course of 2021, in eight games, a dozen receivers have at least five catches to their name, and a matching 12 wideouts have 10-plus PPR points against his defense, and only five of those guys have found the end zone. Landry should be a PPR monster in this one. Tight end Jared Cook at Philadelphia Eagles. Quarterback Justin Herbert has two great wide receivers and an awesome pass-catching running back at his disposal, making Cook hard to count on on a weekly basis in fantasy football. Both of his receiving touchdowns this year have come in the last four weeks, which is a plus. In the last five weeks, the Eagles have given up more volume than all but three teams, and one in nine receptions has found the end zone. That's the 11th highest rate. Anyone playing Cook should be hoping for a touchdown, and four times in the last five games against this defense, a tight end has done just that. For more fantasy football news and advice, please check out the award-winning content at thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Zach, I saw your commentary on, on that win over the Cardinals. Thursday night, short week. The top three receivers are out. Big Bob goes out by injury. And Rodgers in the floor kind of milk the clock and find a way to win that game. And definitely a little lucky at the end, but still a brilliant win. And I think, you know, Matt LaFleur's had a ton of wins, right, already in his, in his short tenure with the Packers as the head coach. But this one is easily the best, right? Yeah, I think it, it definitely is. You just look at, you know, it, it, it might not have been the, the prettiest of wins on the field, but, man, it was impressive just all the stuff they had to overcome. Short week, long road trip out to Arizona, you know, missing four all pros. Um, and then, and like you said, down three three wide receivers. And they still probably should have scored, you know, 31, 35 points against the last undefeated team in football. So, yeah, I think I think Lafleur. Matt LaFleur called a great game. You know, they, they had some red zone issues a couple times and, you know, they got stopped on that fourth down. They could have, could have iced the game, but considering the personnel that they were working with and, you know, all the missing pieces, especially in the passing game, they, they still managed to move the ball consistently. You know, they were, they were leading most of that game and never really felt like it was getting out of hand until that, you know, that very last play, to be honest. So, yeah, um, yeah, this, this was a signature win for Matt LaFleur and, you know, nobody's, really talking about him as a coach of the year candidate, maybe besides the people around green Bay, but if he, you know, wins a game with Jordan love as his quarterback, after all that they've been through this past week, you know, stack that on top of what he did last week. And I don't know how you, you couldn't consider him the favorite for that award. Yeah, I agree. I think it right now it's a two man race between LaFleur and Sean Payton, like Sean Payton over there. It's like, how are the saints possibly going to six and two and like taking over the division lead over there in the NFC South. I cannot believe that. It's like, how is that happening over there? Trevor Simeon's their quarterback right now. So yeah. So I think Sean Payton, but LaFleur too. I mean, well, first of all, Zach, what route was AJ running? I mean, you're much better at X's and O's than me. So what route was AJ <laughs> green running um, on that final play of the game? I mean, I think that's a back shoulder, <laughs> you know, a pretty common route. You just got to get your, you got to get your head around and look for the ball. Oh, I mean, back shoulder that he didn't I, turn for. Okay. That's what happened. Yeah. Looked yeah. Like he was yeah. run blocking. I, it did look like he was run blocking. <laughs> that, that was one of the weirdest plays I think I've ever seen to end a game. Yeah. Yeah. He just had no idea the ball was coming. And then, you know, Rasul Douglas makes a crazy catch. So what a catch. Yeah, that was a wild, wild moment. What a play. And he was so like, the way Douglas caught that ball and like immediately like turned to the crowd and he was so smooth yeah. about it. It was just what a moment that was. So here's, here's one thing I want to throw at you. And I want, now I want to talk to you like as the Packers fan, right? Okay. So, you know, I'm a Patriots fan and I'm a Tom Brady apologist and uh, you know, you can't say anything mean about Tom Brady or I'm going to be upset and, you know, lose sleep over it. And for some reason, I, I mean, I'm on Twitter all the time and I'm watching and yeah, Aaron Rodgers should be getting in the Packers. They should be getting all the credit in the world for that win Zach. But for some reason, Everyone out there on Packers Twitter was talking about how Tom Brady couldn't have won that game. And it was like, what do you mean Tom Brady couldn't have won that game? Like, yeah, Rodgers, that was amazing. But all he really did was like work the clock, work time of possession, right? Just get first downs and throw to Aaron Jones. And, you know, he threw it to his running back mostly. Yeah, he threw it to the other guys like Winfrey and these guys. But come on, he threw it mostly to Aaron. Aaron Jones was his number one receiver. You're telling me Tom Brady can't throw it to his uh, running back and a couple crappy wide receivers like... He's done that before. Why is pa why is Packers Twitter? Why do they always have Tom Brady on their mind? Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, so I think both you know Packers fans and Tom Brady fans have this complex where <laughs> if if one or the other is complimented in any way, they have it, it, it almost feels like a diss to their guy. 
it, it, it's weird because, it, like you said, you know, Packers fans, they always want to make that comparison to Brady, even if it's, it doesn't even make sense. And, but I'll, I'll write some, some really good tweet about Aaron Rodgers, something really good that he's done. And I'll get four or five people, you know, Tom Brady fans, you know, in there dissing the tweet or dissing what he's done. So it's a weird little, little complex between those two, uh, two fan bases about the two quarterbacks. It's a weird, weird thing. It's a good rivalry. I, I did not realize yeah. that it happened that it was that crazy. Like, Tom, why is Tom Brady being mentioned? Like, come on. But yeah, so that's just all to say, like, this was an amazing win, a fun win, kind of an all-timer, but it wasn't like the greatest win of all time, right? It was like you said, it was a little sloppy. And I look at that last drive, that 13 play, 74 yard, 722 drive, uh, the drive to nowhere, right? In the fourth quarter yeah. where there was all kinds of personnel issues, burning timeouts. Rogers keeps bringing that play clock down the one second. It's just like, you know, at one point he brings the play clock down and they're out of timeouts and they take a delay a game on third and goal from the one. Right. Yeah. So it's like they got to clean that thing up. Right. I mean, and I know maybe this was like you could look at this one in a vacuum because of the like you're saying, the personnel and Rogers was so obsessed and he usually is anyway. But he's so obsessed with getting that cl- play clock down and keeping the ball away from Arizona. And they did dominate the time of possession and it was impressive. But they got to clean up the personnel things and those penalties like that because I think that drive easily could have lost in the game, right? I mean, if if, oh, if yeah. AJ Green runs a route, like maybe yeah. we're having a different conversation and we're breaking down this drive and we're super pissed about it, right? So I think great win, but you could look at this and be like, man, there's some there's some sketchy stuff that happened at the end. Yeah, and you know, some of those timeouts, you know, Aaron Rodgers even dating back to his time with Mike McCarthy, you know, they would they would burn up timeouts to save you know, five yard delay of game penalties. Like it was nobody's business. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's continued on. Like, like you said, he, he likes to, to bring it down to the very end. I do think the Thursday night situation where, you know, there are some guys that were lining up in spots that they hadn't played all season. Like they were, you know, they were, they were directing traffic at the line of scrimmage a lot. So I don't know if that's the greatest example, just cause you know, they had Juwan Winfrey playing the Devonte Adams role. And then, you know, Big Bob Tunyon gets hurt, so they have to bring in Josiah DeGuara, and he's never really played that role. So, yeah, I think it was a lot of just, you know, they were pressed against the clock and trying to get everyone in position, and they were having to burn time out. So, yeah, that got real sloppy at that. Packers going to Kansas City. I, I don't know. I think, were they favored at one point, Zach? They were, it was like a one-point yep. spread. Yeah, they were favored, and then it flipped to the Chiefs being favored, and then the Rodgers news breaks, and now it's a seven-and-a-half-point spread on Tipico. Yep. Uh, Jordan Love and the Packers going to Kansas City. We're going to get Zach's take on that game coming up next. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game with the Tennessee Titans visiting the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Rams' favorite seven and a half. The money lines are Titans plus 280, Rams minus 370 for an outright win. The total is 53 and a half. 
I'm on the over 53 and a half here because there's more money back in the over, whereas more of the public is back in the under. Also, we have some over-friendly trends for the Titans. They're 8-2 to the over-under in 10 primetime games since 2018. They're also 19-11 to the over-under on the road since then, and 17-12 and towards the over-under as an underdog since 2018. Nate, how do you see the Sunday night football game playing out? I'm going with the under. The Rams are number five in QBR and lead the league in sacks. There's going to be no Derrick Henry for the second time in four years. Uh, that's where we're at. I think all that's going to cause the under to hit. That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Ttipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach, Packers, Chiefs, from a better's perspective, right? So, uh, like we said, the line on Tipico, the sportsbook app, seven and a half in favor of the Chiefs. And I don't know how you lay that many points on the Chiefs against any opponent right now. <laughs> like, uh, that Monday night game against the Giants, that line ballooned up to 11 at kickoff. And I'm like... I think the Giants suck, and I'm and, and they have all kinds of injuries, and I'm still taking Daniel Jones and the Giants at plus eleven. Like I thought that was I didn't wasn't taking the money line, but uh, I was definitely I I jumped all over that number at plus eleven. And in this matchup, here's how I look at it. You know, if I'm looking at it as and believe me, I am no professional better. You know, I'm definitely an amateur sports better on my phone betting five dollars at a time. But uh, if I'm betting on this game, I'm looking at it like I'm not looking. At, man, look how much better Aaron Rodgers is than Jordan Love. I'm not looking at it like that. I'm looking at it like, can Jordan Love and the Packers do what Daniel Jones and the Giants just did in Kansas City? And I think they can. I think they could easily be in this game in the fourth quarter. And I think they could be within a score or have a chance to win it. So blind faith in Jordan Love, right? I've never really seen him play. And it's blind faith. But I think against this team, this Kansas City defense especially, it's not very good. Why not? Why couldn't the Packers hang within a score? I think there's a lot of value at 7.5 on the Packers. Yeah, you know, Jordan Love is a great unknown. We have almost nothing to go off with him. But, I th- yeah, like you said, I think the Packers are talented enough just about everywhere else to to cover even win this game, even if you – know, especially if, you know, Matt LaFleur can keep, you know, Love protected a little bit, use the run game. Um, you know, that offensive line is going to be maybe fully intact after David Bakhtiari comes back. So, you know, he's going to get some protection against a, a pretty bad defense. And then – you know, you look at the defense for the Packers and, you know, so many teams have done well against the Chiefs with just limiting big plays and keeping that too deep shell coverage. Um, you know, that's exactly what the Packers have played all year under Joe Barry. You know, they've they've made it their their goal to, to limit big plays and, you know, take away the explosive plays in the passing game. And that's kind of been the blueprint against the Chiefs is, you know, just make them, make them do these 10, 12, 14 play drives and, you know, they've been screwing up a lot and not scoring points. So, yeah, I, at seven and a half, it's it's hard not to like the Packers because they are 
talented. They're getting some guys back. Nobody should trust that Chiefs defense. And, you know, Jordan Love doesn't have to go out and play like a play like a pro bowler on on Sunday to win. I think if he just manages the game and, you know, gets the ball to some of his guys, I think they're going to be just fine. Just like just watch the film of what Rodgers did to Arizona. All Rodgers yeah. didn't do anything spectacular, right? Zach, he just man literally right. just managed the crap out of that game. He didn't have like yep. amazing statistics. It was just we're all in awe because he just managed the crap out of that game, and that's what we need Jordan Love to do. You know, I almost look at this like that Cowboys Vikings game when the line flipped very heavily from Cowboys. I think they were favored by two and a half or three, and then it flipped to like Vikings were favored by like five or or four or five after Dak Prescott was announced as being out. And it's like the yep. market just overreacts to the quarterback being out, right? I don't want to overreact because I'm sure you're doing some work on the Chiefs right now for Packers Wire, right? And and getting ready for this game. What do you think? What's wrong with the Chiefs, man? Like they're turning the ball over like crazy. They struggled like hell with the Giants. They got smoked by the Titans. They only scored three points against the Titans. Like yeah. I'm scratching my head, man. The Chiefs, uh, I thought they were going to be like right there with the Bills and the AFC as the best team. And man, they're middling. I mean, they could, I bet they would lose to my Patriots right now, right? I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> What's going on with the Chiefs? What do you think? Yeah, from the way I see it, I think you know defenses have done a, such a great job of you know limiting those big plays. Yeah, I think. Patrick Mahomes, his DNA is to always look for that big play. And it, it almost reminds me a little bit of uh, of when Aaron Rodgers kind of had a had a rough streak for for a couple of years, and it's because he, you know, he, he he made so many big plays, extending extending plays out of the pocket, and he just kind of fell into a groove where that's all he wanted to do was hunt for these big plays by, you know, scrambling out of the pocket and looking downfield. And I think maybe that's a little bit what's happened to Patrick Mahomes is that he's maybe not taking some of this easy stuff and, you know, going on these long drives have been difficult because he's always hunting the big play and they're just not giving it to him. So I, I do think that's a little bit of it. You know, they're not playing well on defense either. So that puts a lot of pressure on your quarterback too. So it, it does remind me a lot of when Rodgers was struggling. I think getting Matt LaFleur as his coach really settled him down because he was taking all these, you know, he's, distributed and taking all that easy stuff now so i think if patrick mahomes is going to get out of this rut that's probably where he needs to go well i saw some crap on pff that mac jones is the highest graded pff passer or whatever zach so it's like yeah taking the short passes it pays off gets you that high grade right yeah. you got to do it but yeah. i remember one time i was watching a chiefs game randomly earlier this year and mahomes literally just chucked it up deep like you're talking about okay. and tyree kill was out there and the defender was kind of chasing tyree kill so his head wasn't turned and Tyreek could see the ball, and he had just adjusted to it. The ball was underthrown and off, but Tyreek just was the only one looking for it. Turned, adjusted, came and got the ball, and I think I looked at my dog or something. You know, I'm by myself in my <laughs> I look at my dog. I'm like, Mahomes is the only guy that throws that. No other quarterback yep. will throw that ball because it's not there, but he just chucks it up there because his receiver will, will go get it. I think you're right. I think he has a hard time taking that little check down, and uh, I think that's a good theory. I, I, I agree 100%. One last question on Jordan Love here. Is he a scrambler? Is he going to get outside the pocket? Is he going to use his legs? Are we going to get, can we get like 30 to 40 rushing yards from Jordan Love? Is that his game? Uh, he scrambled a little bit um, during the preseason. I, I'd say he's a above average athlete for sure. He's, you know, definitely at this point where, you know, Aaron Rodgers is 37. He's definitely a, a better athlete than him. So, um, yeah, I won't be surprised, especially, you know, a young quarterback making his first start. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the game is moving a little fast for him, and he tries to use his legs to to make some plays. So, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he got 30 or 40 rushing yards. Man, it's going to be fun. I don't know how many of these Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes games we're going to get, so it's kind of a bummer that we're not going to get that. Yeah. 
you it know, is. late Sunday afternoon spot, Arrowhead, like great spot. But I'm excited to see what the kid can do. Jordan Love against the Chiefs, man. Let's do it. So uh, for Zach, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us again. We appreciate all you listeners. Hit subscribe for us. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back to talk Jordan Love next week. Looking forward to it. Talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.